What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. It's episode 17. We're back. Twitter is at Sports. Instagram at Sports. TikTok, Immaculate Sports. Kyle does some crazy stuff on there from rankings to hypothetical situations. Yeah. All right. All right. Brett's here, too. What's up? We got a very fun episode for everybody. Playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs. Playoffs. First round of the playoffs start on Saturday. That's great. We're going to break down all of those games for you. A little bit of NBA stuff, too. Yeah. And a little bit of college. Oh, yeah. College is always fun. We got the college football playoff championship coming up here soon. The 13th. Next Monday. FAMA, Ohio State. That's on the 11th. 11th? Oh, I bet. I bet. But, yeah. Fun stuff. Let's get into the opener. All right, starting off with my opener, I'm going to have two two Bama boys, Derrick Henry and Devonta Smith. First off, Derrick Henry needed, I think, 223 rushing yards to get 2,000 uh, coming into Sunday. He had just under 250, or right at 250, I'm not 100% sure. But he got the job done, got 2K, uh, only the eighth running back ever to do it. So something special yes, over there, King Henry does it again. The other Bama boys, Devonta Smith, winning the Heisman. I've been tweeting about it recently, saying uh, how I think he deserves it. I didn't think he was going to get it because it is usually a quarterback award. But him getting the job done made me quite happy. For me, I'm going to go to probably the biggest news out of the NBA this week. Steph Curry and his 62 points, which propelled him to a Western Conference Player of the Week. Watching that game, it, it was classic Steph, pulling up from wherever he wanted to. And every time he shot it, you were confident that it was going to go in. Really just an amazing show he put on, driving to the hoop, getting fouled. And, of course, his three-point shot. He shot 8 of 16 on his way to his career high. So. Career high also in free throw attempts. Yeah, he went 18, 19. From 19 18 from 19. From the line, yeah. What a great day. For Wardell Stephen Curry. Oh, Mine yeah. is going to be Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterback. All right, got the win over Clemson in the semifinal game. Took a shot in the ribs, but came back. 385 yards, six touchdowns, 79% completion rating. That's my guy of the week. Yeah. A lot of great stuff over there. Let's get to our closing reports from all three of our teams. None of us made the playoffs, unfortunately. But I'm starting off with the Raiders. We went into Denver over the weekend at Mile High. Came out with a victory 32-31. to Defense did not play good once again. Uh, Drew Locke kind of threw it all over us, which is rare. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's Drew Locke. And last time that we played him, we bossed him around quite a bit. But the offense also got the job done. Derek Carr didn't play the greatest, even though we had four turnovers. We, uh, we did, I mean, offense kept on pushing it every single time they had it. If they weren't fumbling, they were scoring touchdowns. Uh, Josh Jacobs eclipsed 1,000 yards. We'll touch a little bit more on Josh Jacobs in uh, ha- the bit, halftime yeah. show. He did some interesting things uh, on Monday. Darren Waller. He's broke the Raider record for most receptions in a season. As previously held by Tim Tim Brown with 104. Waller now has the record at 107. Nelson Aguilar finishes the season with just under 900 receiving yards. And Brian Edwards, rookie wide receiver out of South, Southern Carolina, uh, got his first touchdown. 
a guy that I wish that we use a little bit more this, this season, but hopefully that's a little foreshadowing going into next year that we use him a bit more. Skyler, what's the Jet Report all about, man? The message from the Meadowlands. Yep. 28-14 to 14 loss against New England. Sam Darnold with a season-high 266 yards, <laughs> but two horrible interceptions, and his future is question very unclear right now. Adam Gase did get fired, though. That's a bright spot. And they interviewed five guys already for the head coaching spot, which is it's very good because going into 2018, we interviewed Adam Gase and... Simon? Who's the other guy? Mike McCarthy. Well, I think we're the only two guys we were really interested in. But yeah. knowing we got these five guys right here, Arthur Smith, Titans offensive coordinator... Eric Bieniemy, Chiefs offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, Bills offensive coordinator, Matt Uberflus, yeah, Uberflus, Colts offensive coordinator. Okay. Story about Matt Uberflus. All right, he was hired by Josh McDaniels in Indy. He was the only guy they kept after McDaniels dipped, huh? And transformed that defense. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And then finally, we have Brandon Staley, Rams offensive coordinator. This should be an interesting race to get the best head coach and fix this horrible organization. Yeah, horrible organization might be a bit of an understatement, but we'll, we'll go to a little bit better organization with the Niners. Not too much better, though. It's, I'd say quite a bit better. It's a healthy Quite a bit better. better. Not too much in the Niners camp this week. The biggest news is probably Robert Sala, defensive coordinator, who will most likely be... A head coach next year, whether it be for the Lions, who I believe is the favorite for him right now. Yeah. Actually, I think it's shifted towards Jacksonville. Oh, Jacksonville, okay. Urban Meyer dipped. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, Jacksonville, Detroit, wherever he ends up, that will be a big void that the Niners will probably replace with. I, I'm, I don't know his name, but our current linebackers coach is the likely candidate to replace him as our defensive coordinator. All right. And as far as the Niners, I mean, we, we have a lot to look forward to. We have a draft where we have the 12th pick interesting situation with our quarterback room and hopefully a healthy season next year more than anything else yeah i think we could all use that exactly yeah and we need a defense too that's something that's big interviewing some defensive uh coordinators right now gus bradley is rumored to be the front runner for that job let's talk about this eagles giant situation that happened over the weekend Giants won on Sunday versus the Cowboys, giving them a shot for the playoffs. They just needed the Washington football team to lose to the Eagles on Sunday night. And that's when the Eagles said, we're not winning this game. They took out Jalen Hurts after two rushing touchdowns, even though he wasn't throwing the ball well, only 7 for 20 with 72 yards and an interception. They decided to take him out for, in favor of not Carson Wentz, but Nate Sudfield. And this, sure. this brought... <laughs> the Giants players, not just their fans, but their players, out on Twitter, people were tweeting saying, oh, this is the, like clearly tanking. Not a lot of players were happy. Logan Ryan, one of the, one of the Giants uh, players on defense, did say, however, that we're 6-10. and 10. We don't have room to talk. All we could have done or all we should have done is just win one more game. Because even if they – well, they got swept by the Washington football team this year. And if they just won one of those games, they could have had the tiebreaker over them. That would have been a big thing. But what's your guys' side on this? Eagles or Giants? 
So Doug Peterson did say before the game that Nate Sudfeld would play eventually. Uh, it was still fucked up, but, you know, it wasn't out of the <laughs> blue. I don't think this was a total tank job, but this is mostly on the Giants. You got to win more than six games if you want to win your division. So I pick no side. No side was is right here. <laughs> If I were to choose a side, I would side with the New York Giants. It, it's one thing if Carson Wentz was on the bench and he was brought in, or Carson Wentz was starting this game and they brought Jalen Hurts in, you know, to see what their future might look like. But Nate Sudfield has no future with the Philadelphia Eagles. True. And if he is in their future, they're probably screwed. He is not a good quarterback. And I'm, I'm mostly disappointed in Doug Peterson, who was just basically given another year as the Philadelphia Eagles head coach. He did not put forth their best winning effort, which I think all coaches should do regardless of situation. I mean, hell, look at the, the Jets. The yeah. Jets, if you, if they continue with their tank, which they didn't, they ended up winning two games, they get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Every football team is put out there to win. J.J. Watt touched on it in a post-game interview a couple weeks ago. I, I'd be very frustrated if I were a Giants player, fan. I, it, there's, I mean, the Eagles still could have lost that game even if Hurts is in, so you can't be, like, too upset. But seeing the effort the Eagles put forward, and I think even Eagles players kind of understood, like, what was happening was wrong. You, you see Jalen Hurts on the sideline frustrated. It, it just didn't sit right with me. Yeah. I'm also going to go with the Giants side, but I also kind of see the side that, I mean, just win more than six games. Six, six wins, like, you're not – you shouldn't be in the playoffs anyways. So I, I really see – Logan Ryan's tweet there, but I mean, even Eagles players are pissed off with this, like Miles Sanders said to uh, Philadelphia Radio this morning, saying that it's, it's not the right move and it's it's a bad look on the, not just the uh, team, but like the organization as a whole, uh, and Doug Peterson especially, may, basically makes him look like he doesn't want to win in that spot, which is not something that you want from your head coach. I mean, your head coach shouldn't care about other teams winning and stuff. They should care about themselves going to go get one every single time out. So I'm going with the Giants side there. But let's right. take it to uh, some rookie quarterbacks. We saw a mixture of six or seven guys play quarterback this year that were rookies. Uh, we're not going to talk about Ben DiNucci. We're not going to talk about Jake Luton. Jake Luton's a beast, though. No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> but up. we're going to rank the four that got... I would say extended amount of playing time, but at least three or four starts under their belt. Yeah. Of, uh, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Tua, and Jalen Hurts. I want you guys to rank these. Skyler, you go first. All right, number one for me is still going to be Joe Burrow. I believe he's going to come back strong, whether it's next year midseason or two full years. His potential is to the moon, so I'm keeping him at number one. Number two is Justin Herbert. Great season. Obviously broke the rookie passing touchdown record. Um, proved a lot of haters wrong. All right. But he doesn't have a perfect game. Okay. That's why I still have Joe Burrow at number one. Number three, I'm going to give the nod to Jalen Hurts. He proved he's not just a gadget guy. All right. That was the big question. Drafted, obviously not a first rounder. And first half of the season was coming into run read option. Um, and he proved he can compete for that starting job next year. Number four. Is going to be Tua. Uh, he hasn't showed us anything really yet. And he had to be benched multiple times this year. Went behind. I don't know if I can trust him. So, 
the Burrow Herbert questions. And it, are we going based just on this season, or we're like like we see them in the future, kind of? I kind of went on potential. Potential. So if we're going on potential, I, I'm going to go with Burrow as well. I think Herbert had the better season this year, obviously, given that he had a full season, broke records. I mean, I think that's kind of obvious. But as far as who I think will be better, uh, I'm going to go Burrow and then followed by Herbert. The third, fourth option is also kind of interesting. I'm going to give the nod to Hurt simply because when Tua needed to push the ball down the field, he was unable to. He never... I mean, Skylar touched on it. Ryan Fitzpatrick was brought in during close games to get the ball down the field for the Miami Dolphins. And if you're going to be the franchise guy, you, you can't be getting pulled out in that type of situation just because you can't move the ball. Hertz came in, his first two, three starts looked amazing. Struggled this week, but I'm going to look past that and give Hertz the number three spot. Yeah, this is something that we've deb- debated on before. The Burrow-Herbert conversation. I mean, all four of these guys are going to be compared uh, with each other throughout their whole career just because they're taking the same draft class just as we've seen with the Trubisky, Mahomes, Watson, that trio, and some other classes as well. But th- this is obviously two tiers as well. I mean, Herbert and Burrow are going to be one and two, whichever way you put it, and then two and Hertz are going to be three and four. And in my order, I'm going Herbert first. Personally, I think Herbert not only is better right now, I think he has a higher upside. I think Herbert has a chance to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, right there with like Patty Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. I think he's he's got a real legitimate shot to be elite very soon. Joe Burrow, I think, is very very good, but I don't think he's ever going to be at that elite level. I think Matthew Stafford's a guy that you can compare to Joe Burrow, and then Hurts. I'm putting Hurts at number three. I liked his explosiveness this year. Uh, not only through the air, but also on the ground. I think giving yourself, your team, that extra dynamic of running the ball at the QB position is really big. Gives you another threat. And then at number four, I'm going Tua because he has zero explosiveness. Yeah, he doesn't turn the ball over much, but uh, I mean, if you're you're not going to turn over the ball if you're just throwing three-yard passes every single time. Teams are going to let you do that no matter what, basically. And we saw on Sunday when Tua did have to push the ball down the field because of no Fitzpatrick being out with COVID, he wasn't able to. He threw three picks, didn't get the job done, and, I mean, even though they scored 26 points in that game, did not look like a 26-point outing from Tua Tagovailoa. That's why I'm going with him last. Yeah, uh, John Madden once said, you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Yeah, I agree with that. That's true. It's tough to go a dual quarterback system mm-hmm. in the NFL unless you're using them as a gadget guy, mm-hmm. and you don't spend a top pick like you did on Tua for him to be a gadget guy. Yeah. So we have a lot of awards to go over now with the conclusion of the NFL regular season. We're gonna start off with MVP award. Gather, you take it away. Yes, sir. My MVP is going to be Aaron Rodgers. 51 total touchdowns, only five interceptions. A big F you to the Green Bay organization <laughs> after they drafted his replacement, Jordan Love. So you got to love it. Uh, also, quick uh, <laughs> notable, Derrick Henry, 2,000 yards. He's not going to win it, but he deserves a shout-out. Yeah, my notable would have been Josh Allen. Probably is my second choice. But I'm also going to go discount double-check Aaron Rodgers. Amazing season. I'm not sure how old he is, but he's still such an elite quarterback, such a fun guy to watch. He and Devonta Adams are probably my like probably my favorite duo to watch in the NFL. The chemistry those two have is just amazing, especially in the red zone. Aaron Rodgers is my MVP. 
Yeah, I'm going with Rodgers as, Rodgers as well. But my honorable mention is Deshaun Watson. Right. Led the league in passing. Uh, didn't have Hopkins this year. And Will Fuller was out for most of the year. Because he got, or not most of the year, about half, half the of year, it. Yeah. Because of a suspension. And, I mean, if you look at most valuable players, I think Deshaun Watson is right there. Like, he's... That guy is so good, and he's on such a shit. You could argue he's right the definition. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm going with A-Rod, but Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, those guys are right there. Just had to give a little shout-out to Deshaun yeah. Watson because I felt like he needed one. Agreed. Yeah. Let's go to Offensive Rookie of the Year now. Skylar? Yeah, it's going to be Justin Herbert. Broke the record, rookie passing touchdowns. Little shout-out to Justin Jefferson, though. Broke the rookie receiving record. Yeah, both those guys had amazing years, but at the end of the day, it's a quarterback award, MVP quarterback award. All, all, all offensive awards are quarterback awards. Exactly. So, Justin Herbert, most likely going to win. He's my winner, but Justin Jefferson, with that being said, had an amazing year. Yeah, I'm going to go with Justin Herbert as well, but I think Jefferson deserves to be right there. I, I think he... Well, okay. It won't be unanimous. It's not No, he'll, he'll get some votes. I think Jefferson deserves it, both how the award is designed. As we saw last year, Kyler Murray got it over Josh Jacobs, which I obviously don't agree with. Uh, it's going to be Herbert winning it this year, and I think that's also kind of well-deserved. Herbert's going to be a real <laughs> he's yeah. gonna be a beast. I don't think you can go wrong whichever way this award is given. Exactly. Both those guys had amazing years. Yeah, it, James Robinson's yeah. another guy that's right there as well. Didn't play the last two games of the season, but I mean... He's not going to win it. No. Let's go to Defensive Rookie of the Year now. All right. I think we've all overthought this one a little too much this year. It's going to end up being Chase Young. Seven and a half sacks, four force fumbles. He's already one of the best defensive players in the league. He's crazy. Yeah, I'm going to go Chase Young as well. Early in the year, I had Jeremy Chan a couple times, who I think should be up there. He had an amazing year as well for the Carolina Panthers in their secondary. Very young defense over there in Carolina. But Chase Young was something special this year. Watching him against the Niners, he single-handedly won the Washington football team that game. Uh, scored a fumble recovery, touchdown, had a couple sacks, and was in Nick Mullen's face literally the whole night. So Chase Young is going to be my D-Roy. Yeah, I'm also going Chase Young, but I think a couple honorable mentions are uh, Patrick Queen over in Baltimore, mm-hmm. uh, Jeremy Chin, and Antoine Winfield Jr. Mm-hmm. All those guys played really well this year. And we're going to be beasts in the future. Ashton Davis. <laughs> no. You know, no Jet. Bro. Let's go to Offensive Player of the Year. Skyler, take it away. Oh, oh, I thought you said Offensive Rookie. I was like, uh, we no. just did that, bro. All right, my Offensive Player of the Year is going to be Derrick Henry, 2,000 yards. This award usually goes to the best non-quarterback yeah, it's player. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they give it to Josh Allen, but I'm still going with, uh, with Derrick Henry here. 2K. Fifth best season of all time, only behind Eric Dickerson, Adrian Peterson, Jamal Lewis, and Barry Sanders. Yeah, I'm going to go with Derrick Henry as well. A couple guys you can probably talk about are Josh Allen, Alvin Kamara, and Devonta Adams. But at the end of the day, you see a guy with 2,000 yards. I think you got to give him that award. Mm-hmm. He carried that Titans offense literally on his back, all 6'4", 250 pounds of him. So, Derrick Henry is the winner here. I'm going Derrick Henry as well. Anytime somebody rushes for 2,000 yards and is that scary, I think you got to give it to him. If you don't, I think he's coming after you. So, 
Well, I'm scared. Yeah, for sure, yeah. yeah. Let's go to Defensive Player of the Year. Skyler, take it away. I'm going to keep this one pretty simple. It's going to be TJ Watt. He led the NFL in sacks with 15 and had seven pass deflections, too. Yeah, TJ Watt's my winner as well. Didn't overthink this one too much. He's been overlooked the past couple years. I think he should have got more recognition last year. TJ Watt, Defensive Player of the Year. I'm going to give a different guy a shot. I think we're going to get a corner for the second straight year. And uh, Xavier Howard had 10 interceptions this year. Don't see that. Too often. Most in uh, Cromartie, right? I think so, yeah. It's, it's been a while since somebody's reached the double digits. And I think for that reason, we got to give it to him. All so right. he's my defensive player of the year. I have no problem with that. Let's go to comeback player of the year. Do we do? Do we really need to go over this one? Well, it's the Alex Smith Award. It yeah. is. They yeah, should rename it. We were talking about this. It should yeah. be renamed the Alex Smith Comeback Player of the Year Award. Does it have a name currently? Do we know? I don't think so. I, I don't think it should matter. I think it should be the Alex Smith Award. Yeah, I think it's, it's quite yeah. obvious what he's done. Almost dying and getting his leg chopped off yeah. and all that yeah. stuff and all the stuff he's been through. I think it's definitely him, especially leading them to a playoff like birth. It's it's crazy to think. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Coach of the Year, our final award. Yeah, my Coach go. of the Year is going to be Sean McDermott from Buffalo. Completely flipped around this offense. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are probably the hottest dynamic duo right now. Mm-hmm. You could argue. Rodgers and Devontae Adams, but, you know, uh, Stephon Diggs led the league in catches and receiving yards. It was pretty crazy. Um, let's see. Coach? What are we doing? Coach of the year? Yeah. Coach of the year. I'm going to go with Alex Smith's coach, Riverboat Ron. Not only is it a great story, him coming back from his battle with cancer, which amazing props to him, amazing accomplishment, but that Washington football team, they had the number two overall pick last year. They weren't supposed to do anything this year. Granted, they were 7-9 and nine division winners, which isn't very impressive. But the fact is, they did win that division. They're not supposed to be where they're at. So I think Riverboat Ron deserves a lot of credit. He rang the bell, too. He yeah, did. I think i got to go with somebody else. I think I'm going with Adam Gase. You know, what yeah. he did with that Jets team, getting two wins, such a crazy, crazy accomplishment, beating two playoff teams. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going with a division rival of theirs. Skyler said it. It's Sean McDermott. Yes, sir. Skyler, I think that concludes it for the first half. Take us away. Let's take it to halftime. Welcome to halftime. All right, we're going to start off with a little college football playoff semifinal recap. I touched on Justin Fields' dominance after getting uh, completely rocked. That, that looked painful. Yeah, that hit looked he painful. Got, yeah, surprisingly, he, he didn't hard. break them. They were just bruised. Uh, they snapped. I don't know how he didn't break together, dude. Yeah. The way he the way he went into that hit just awkward. It he just, tried to like uh, spin out of it I think maybe and then he yeah. had, I don't know. You know I think that was his Joe Burrow moment though. You know you remember when Joe Burrow got destroyed Yeah. Mm-hmm. in the UCF game and then he came back and he was a different person. Maybe this is going to happen with Justin Fields. <laughs> but anyways uh, Ohio State with the 49 to 28 win. Ohio State running back Trey Sermon. Damn. Another dominant performance. 31 carries 193 yards and a touchdown. Great in the receiving game too. Yeah, he's a sleeper. Oh yeah, I would draft him in probably the third round. Yeah, he's gonna be yeah. right there. I feel like it's tough to draft running backs yeah. high though. 
But uh, Trevor Lawrence finished with 400 yards, two touchdowns. A little misleading. That was, yeah. that was pretty late in the game. He also threw a pick, fumbled three times. It was a rough day for Trevor Lawrence. Let's talk about Bama Notre Dame. I don't think a lot of people paid too much attention to this, but it was actually a pretty close game until about the third quarter. Uh, Kyron Williams, Notre Dame running back, had 60 yards and a touchdown. Most of that was in the first half. He had an early touchdown, 21-14 to 14 Alabama lead, and then Ian Book threw a pick and the wheels fell off. Some questionable play calling from Brian Kelly, head coach of Notre Dame. You know, punting on the 50, stuff like that is not going to win you a semifinal game. But uh, Mac Jones, 300 yards, four touchdowns. Najee Harris, 125 on the Who's ground. leading receiver in that game? Devontae Smith, the Heisman winner. There we go. Seven catches, three touchdowns, and the 31-14 win. Speaking of Devontae Smith, Kyle covered it. He won the Heisman today. Let's go over the stats. Man. <laughs> it's, crazy. it's crazy. First of all. It's video game numbers. He led the NCAA in total yards from scrimmage, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, and receptions. By the way, that was 20 receiving touchdowns, and 1,641. Does it say his catches on yes. doesn't say his catches. I actually yeah. don't know that number. If someone could get over 100. He had over 100. All That's right, crazy. but uh, speaking of college football, I'm going to give you a little bit of my top five for the next mock draft. All right, number one, we're going to start off with Jacksonville. That's going to be Trevor Lawrence, you know, barring an insane injury in the offseason, or him going back to school, the pick's going to be Trevor Lawrence. Number two, a little bit of a question mark here, but I'm going to have the Jets taking Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterback. I think Sam Darnold's time in the NFL isn't done, but he's going to need a fresh start. I feel like we've, it's sad, but we broke him. He's done in New York. And after... A questionable performance in Week 17. I think that was that was it right there. And even Joe Douglas wouldn't commit to him in the uh, postseason press conference. So that's sad. But uh, number three, Miami got the pick from Houston. Isn't yeah. that crazy? A ten-win playoff crazy. team. Ten-win team picking third. No, they are not a playoff team. Ten-win non-playoff. Yeah. Ten-win non-playoff team. Fringe. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, a bit of a question mark here. I think ultimately it's going to be a trade down. But right now I'm sticking with Penny Sewell. He could probably switch over to right tackle. He played right tackle his freshman year, protect two with blindside. Maybe that's what he needs. I think they'll eventually take a number one receiver here somewhere, maybe if they do trade down, but I'm sticking with Penny Sewell. Number four, Atlanta Falcons. They're going to take Zach Wilson, quarterback out of BYU. One of the most surprising players in college football this year. He went off uh, 43 total touchdowns. Yeah, I believe so. And... Atlanta's going to be bringing in a new staff. Perfect time, right? Obviously, they're tied to Matt Ryan for a year or two, but why not bring in a guy, have him sit for a year? Like Zach Wilson. All right, and uh, number five, Cincinnati Bengals. They would have loved Penny Sewell. Maybe they do get him if someone trades up for a quarterback at three, but I haven't taken Patrick Sertan, DB, Ohio State. God damn it. Alabama. Yeah. Hey, Alabama. He's the second. His father played in the league. You know, bit of a question mark taking a corner this early, but Jeff Akuda and Denzel Ward taken in the top five. 
He's been at the top of the big boards pretty much his entire college career. I don't have a problem with it. Their secondary's been a little suspect other than dude from Wake Forest. What's his name? The Bengals? Yeah. Uh, well, Bates has been amazing. Bates. Yeah, Jeremy Bates. Bates. Yeah. Jesse, Jesse Bates. Bates. Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the most underrated players in the league. Yeah, he's, he's really he's good. Really good. Oh, yeah. I, I have a quick question. You, you talked about the Dolphins possibly taking yeah. a receiver. I, I know Devonta Smith just won the Heisman, but is Smith or Jamar Chase going to be the first receiver off the board? In your I, say Chase. I say Chase. Jamar Chase yeah. is my number one receiver just because... His hands. He does. I compare him to Juju yeah. Smith-Schuster just because the dude just finds ways to make crazy catches. Yeah. He's in a... You throw it up to him, it's not a 50-50. It's, like it's a 75 25. Like it's people forget about it. He was he was probably better than Justin Jefferson last year mm. on that or debatably. Both both guys were amazing on that LSU championship run. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're going to talk about the coaching carousel now in the NFL. A couple of teams that uh need a new head coach. Obviously the Jets need one. I'm an expert in this category right here. <laughs> I would love either Brian Dable or Matt Campbell. All right, Brian Dable, Bill's offensive coordinator, completely turned around Josh Allen. And Matt Campbell was the head coach of Iowa State, turned around that program too. Another team that needs a head coach is picking number one, Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't really know what they're going to do. I feel like they would want an offensive guy to help out Trevor Lawrence. So maybe an Arthur Smith from Tennessee. Obviously, we heard uh, today Urban Meyer is not coming out of retirement. He will not be going there. The next team, the LA Chargers. They're in a weird situation because they do have a young quarterback in Justin Herbert. And an offensive-minded coach would be helpful. But their main problem was clock management Simple and injury stuff and injury management to you know like your CEO type coach. So I think a team like Sandy, not San Diego, the LA Chargers should not be opposed to uh, a defensive-minded coach like uh, Martindale or Asala. All right, Atlanta Falcons. I think Atlanta should go best coach possible available. It doesn't matter what side because that's a team stuck with a quarterback. Matt Ryan on a huge contract. And other than Tampa Bay, you know, in that division, it's pretty much open if Drew Brees retires. Yeah. Yeah. I think that could be a win now type of not rebuild, but retooling. Last team that needs a coach, Detroit Lions. They love Robert Solo. We know that. But the defensive-minded coaches have not been kind to Detroit. No. <laughs> I could see a possible enemy hiring in Detroit. I'd like that. I think Sean, our fellow uh, yeah. Detroit Lions, Lions fan, fan Sean. would like that. Shout out to Sean if you're listening. Oh, yeah. Boys love him. Yeah. Let's go to <laughs> some, some player news that we got over the last few days with an unexpected DUI. Mm-hmm. Or suspected DUI as well. Uh, Has not been confirmed yet. Yeah, it's probably won't guilty. be confirmed. Probably won't yeah. be confirmed. Uh, star running back of the Las Vegas Raiders, Josh Jacobs. This guy did the air quote uh, star. He's a star. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even a Vegas. He's a star. But uh, yeah, Josh got a DUI. 
on Monday, early Monday morning. It was really unexpected too. I mean, it's, it really doesn't seem like the type of guy to like do stuff like that and go partying. <laughs> well, not even that, but like I, I feel like he's really like well, like level-headed and yeah. not not stupid and make decisions like that. And so it's, that was really shocking news to hear from him that that happened. Yeah, we even found out that he crashed a car into the uh, Sparks, Nevada airport terminal. So, but there was uh, there's no confirm that this was a DUI. It was yeah. just a single car crash, and according to his attorney, there was no blood alcohol content test taken for whatever reason. I feel like. That'd be like the first thing that you do. Yeah. You test to see if they're drunk. It's a little suspect. So there's no uh, confirmation that he was drunk. And if there's no like confirmation, I feel like it's it's going to be really tough to prove in court that he is guilty of that. And so... Oh, yeah. That'll, that'll save about $15,000 yeah. in a four-game suspension. A single car crash is typically either DUI or phone, I feel like. Yeah, that's so. true. Especially in the cars that those players are driving. <laughs> yeah. I had one, one of my boys. I won't release his name. Because he might be watching this later. You never know. Uh, Total his car, looking at his phone, crashed to a curb. Sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Probably best to not reveal that yeah. name on whoever it may be. <laughs> Another thing that we heard recently was uh, GM of the Philadelphia Eagles, Howie Roseman, did say that he wants to keep Carson Wentz. But this really doesn't make sense. Carson did say that he does not want to be a backup in Philadelphia. He wants to be the starter. And, I mean, if he doesn't want to be a, ba- a backup and still want to keep him on the team, it doesn't really make sense there. So I feel like it's going to be a trade that does happen. I feel like there are some teams that could go for him, but his contract is very tough to trade this offseason. And that for that reason, I think they won't be able to get too much back for him. But just solely based off of his year that he tore the, his ACL, mm. uh, with how good he was playing that year, I think, People see that and say, oh, there's still that in him somewhere and uh, take a shot on him. Somebody yeah. that needs a quarterback that perhaps doesn't get their guy in the draft or looking for a bridge. You know, I think this is going to be a bigger deal than people are making it out to be because Carson Wentz really wants to leave. He knows he's not going to start, but Howie Roseman said he's not going to trade him. So either one side... Yeah, one side's going to have to give. One side yeah, yeah. gives. The only problem is that contract is way too big to trade, especially in a COVID cap year. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if they don't keep him as a backup, they might have to just bite the bullet, release him, and take the contracts. Rework the contract. I, I don't know. But Maybe something there. It's kind of weird because they haven't even really committed to Jalen Hurts, though, either. No. Yeah. I, I mean, it's the fact that Sudfield came that game should be an indication enough that there's still questions on if they believe in Hurts. So who knows? Skyler predicted this a couple weeks ago that when stays and is the starter next year week one. That that still could be the case. Yeah, it's true. I doubt it, but I mean... I doubt it too. It just doesn't make sense with everything happening, but you got to leave that door open, that possibility. Yeah, plus when you have the holdout here. When you have a special talent like Nate Sudfield, like you gotta, you got to get that <laughs> you guy gotta get him on the field. field. Like that's, that's, your, that's your option right there. Yeah. Playmakers making plays. All right, so looks like uh, small news on paper, but to us guys who love breaking down rosters, 
and trying to figure out how we would rebuild ourselves. You know, this is kind of a big deal for us. All right. John Elway was air quotes promoted to president of player operations for Denver, which opens up the GM job. If you're a Denver fan, start celebrating. All right. John Elway, he's, he's been horrible. He's in the like draft. Michael Jordan. He's been horrible in the draft. All right. What? How many good players has he drafted since Von Miller? Jerry Judy should be good, right? But man, I'm trying to think. Or terrible Sutton. trades. Sutton was pretty good, but like was Chubb, he... Bradley Chubb. Bowles is good now. Okay. The the first uh, round picks haven't been bad, but they haven't been getting like no like the roster hasn't been flipping over. Like yeah, you, you yeah, haven't exactly. seen that steady improvement. Like, Denver's yeah. a team that desperately needs a franchise quarterback, yeah. and he just hasn't been able to. Whether it's picking the right guy or he, developing, he's guy. missed like four times on quarterback. Yeah, no, more than that, I mean he's. They've had the amount of guys that they've used at quarterback since Peyton Manning in 2015. Like Slapping they've used it. like like sixteen or seventeen guys, and I still don't think they found it out with Drew Locke. Yep, but you know I still expect John Elway to have some sort of role here, but I think it's going to be more as a president slash CEO type of role than you know selecting players in the draft. Yeah, um, which should be good for you, Denver fans. Maybe you'll uh, start developing quarterbacks. <laughs> but anyways. Some basketball news. Kevin Durant had close contacts with a COVID positive. Yeah, family so, member, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's going to miss a couple games. Um, the Nets are in a weird spot. We'll, t- we'll talk about their chemistry yeah. a little later, yeah. but I'll leave it at that. The Nets are in a weird spot right now. <laughs> All right, so actually pretty big news in college football. We just found out today, former Wisconsin quarterback Jack Cohn, senior, is transferring to Notre Dame because Notre Dame's quarterback, Ian Book, is graduating. Possibly could go to the NFL. Uh, his last season, he had 18 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, Rose Bowl appearance. In the Big Ten. Yeah. Uh, he's a lefty. Oh. That should be interesting. Um, but I think this is pretty big for Notre Dame. They won't completely fall off the map. And they still have Kyron Williams. So Notre Dame will still be a solid team. They're always a solid yeah. program. Yeah. I think it's big for them to stay in the ACC, right? That's what that would be big. Yeah, it would be. I, I give Agreed. them uh, competition with uh, Clemson. I assume North North Carolina's gonna be a little bit better. Yeah. Miami's gonna be a team that's always competitive, and you got some other teams in there as well. That will, yeah. Florida State's on the rise. Yeah, you'll you'll get some some teams in there to competition with yeah. the other day for sure. Britt, did you have uh, one last note for us? On um, a little shout out. Oh, uh, Grant, if you're listening, shout out San Diego State basketball. Yeah. You know, you know B- BYU, B- BYU boys came in and beat you guys a couple weeks yeah. ago. Hey, but... they beat down Colorado State yeah. last night, though. Hey, we just wanted to give you a shout out. What's up, my boy? Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's the end of halftime. Welcome back from halftime, everybody. We're just going to start the second half. With a lot of super wild card weekend, the NFL is promoting the crap out of it. Presented by Nickelodeon. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what Nickelodeon's role <laughs> has to do with it in uh, a few few other things before that. But <laughs> our first headline that we're going to talk about is the first game. It's on Sunday morning. It's going to be 10, 10 a.m. over here on the West Coast, 1 Eastern. 
uh, over there on the East Coast, obviously. But it's the Colts and the Bills, and our headline is, does the Colts' defense have enough to stop this scary, very scary Bills offense? You know, in this game, I think the defense for Indianapolis will be all right. Their downfall, though, will be relying on Jonathan Taylor, the rookie. They're going to give him too many carries, I think. I think he's going to flop, and they won't be able to keep up in the end. Not originally the defense's fault, but they're going to stall a little bit in this game. And Bills are going to... The Bills will get the win. <laughs> the Colts' defense has been very impressive throughout the whole year. But right now, the Bills' offense is just out of this world the way they're playing. They put up 50 points, and they had backups in half the game last week yeah. against Miami, who was a 10-win team, who, who we thought had a pretty good defense going into that week. I don't think the Bills... I mean, excuse me. I don't think the I think the Colts will get a couple stops, but it won't be enough to allow that mediocre Colts offense to keep up with what the Bills are doing on the offense side of the ball. I don't think there's a single team in the NFL that can stop the Bills offense right now, and for that reason, uh, yeah, it's it's the Bills for me. Uh, me too. It's it's gonna be. I I think it might be a blowout. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later in some mm-hmm. bold takes and stuff. Uh, but I, it's nothing against the Colts' defense. I just think the Bills' offense is that much better than uh, pretty much any other defense right now or going against any defense right now. So I'm picking the Bills by 20-plus. All right. You guys want to make your, your picks for that as well? Or, uh, score-wise? You don't have to go score-wise. Just uh, Yeah, I'm picking the Bills. I'll, I'll take the Bills probably about like 10, 14. I, 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 think, I think it'll be somewhere around like 30, 20. 35-25, somewhere around that area. I expect them to cover. Yeah. yeah. The next game on Saturday is an NFC West matchup between the Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, one of the, the big headline in this is Jared Goff. Uh, broken thumb, right? Broken yeah, thumb? broken uh, thumb. Just uh, like a week or two ago. Uh, had surgery less than a week ago and is looking to play on Sunday. Seems like, I don't even know how it's possible, but... Props to him if he does it. Do they even have a shot if he does play together? Well, first of all, I don't think he will play. But, you know, for the scenario's sake, let's say he does play. He's coming off of thumb surgery four days ago. Okay, well, from today. It's expected to rain in Seattle Saturday evening. He's going to fumble the ball at least three times. He already has fumbling issues without a broken thumb. So I think they have no chance at all. If Jared Goff is coming into the game completely healthy, I I might even take the Rams to win this game. I like sure. the Rams. I, I haven't been that impressed with the Seahawks as of late. The Niners defense held them pretty much scoreless for three and a half quarters till some late Russell Wilson shenanigans. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I like the shenanigans. But with Jared Goff coming in with this injury, he's going to have a hard time holding on, and maybe even throwing the ball, I believe. So I don't think the Rams have a legit shot, even if he does play. And if we see what, John Wolford, yeah. if John Wolford is in that game, it's going to be ugly. He's a runner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the defenses are really what I'm focusing on in this. Uh, we saw the Rams' defense be one of the best defenses in the league this year. And we also saw Seattle's defense starting to come around a little bit as of late. They've gotten a bit better throughout the season. We saw early in the year they could not stop the pass at all. They've been getting it done. Uh, one of the big things in that is the acquisition of Carlos Dunlap. 
before the trade deadline, trade deadline, he's been really good for them. But even with both the defenses, even with Jared Goff possibly being out or playing at, we don't know at this point, I, I'm still going with the Seahawks just solely based off the fact it is in Seattle. And Russ Wilson has no problem throwing yeah. in the rain. Have yeah. you guys heard anything about the Jamal Adams injury? Because he came out of that game versus the Niners this week. He didn't play pretty much any of the second half. Um, it was a shoulder injury. He re-aggravated it I on a Jarek McKinnon sure. block. I will, I will see what I got. If I had to guess, they held him out for precautionary reasons. But if he doesn't play, that's a big loss. He's a game-time decision. Yeah. yeah he He's definitely a big impact player on that defense. Because if you look... Since Seattle's defense has been getting better, to Kyle's point, I believe mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. But it's been getting better since he came back healthy into that lineup. Without him, that defense, it, it's just not the same. They don't have that box player, that extra blitzer. that makes He's the best pass rusher. Yeah, he's eight and a half sacks in more like ten games. Yeah. Something like yeah. It's ridiculous numbers for a safety. For sure. But I'm going to go, I'll, I'll go Seahawks by ten plus. Yeah. Talk a little bit NFC East right here. There's also another team in the game as well, but uh, Washington football team defense against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers offense. We've seen this Buccaneers offense just go off in recent weeks. They have so many playmakers on that side of the ball, whether it's Mike Evans, whether it's Chris Godwin, whether it's Antonio Brown, whether it's whether it's Gronk, whether it's Rojo. Rojo, whether it's Leonard Fournette. Or, I mean, Tom Brady so obviously is a playmaker. Scotty Miller. Uh, Scotty Miller is another guy who's really good. Uh, does this Washington football team defense have enough to slow down or stop that Bucks offense? If the pass rush can get home, that changes everything. But, like you said, the Buccaneers offense has been going off recently. The Buccaneers, in the first half of the season struggled against the pass rush heavily, even lost to a couple teams. I'm pretty sure Kyle will uh, talk about that pretty soon, too. Mm-hmm. But the difference is, the past couple of weeks, why they've been blowing teams out is those quick passes. Like you said, so many options on offense. All right, You can't guard all of them. Yeah, That's why I'm taking Tampa Bay. Even if the pass rush gets there, they got Ronald Jones, they got Antonio Brown and Godwin on slants, I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, not many people have talked about how good Antonio Brown has been the past couple weeks. He's almost returned to form. Like, yeah. He had 11 catches for 100-something. and I Two mean, touchdowns last Tom week? Tom Brady also yeah. gave him the ball three times. So, so even minutes. before those last three catches, which got him, I think, 500K Something or whatever. Like that, yeah. yeah, He had an amazing game. I think Washington football's defense... And specifically, the defensive line can slow them down. But I don't think the offense for the football team is going to be able to do to do enough to keep up, no matter what. Because the Buccaneers have a solid defense of their own. And if you compare across the board, the Bucks' offense is just way better than what the football team is going to bring out there. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we've seen with uh, the Buccaneers this year is that when they're losing, it's because... Of the opponent team's pass rush getting home and taking down Tom Brady before he can get out uh, the ball to his playmakers, which they have so many, as we've already listed. And, you know, that's how the Saints beat them. That's how they beat them twice. They just got to the quarterback and let their defense and the offense do the work after that. But one thing that the Washington football team does not have is that Saints offense. They don't have Kamara. They don't have Michael Thomas. They don't have Drew Brees. 
Yes, they have some playmakers. Antonio Gibson's a beast. Terry McLaughlin's a beast. Logan Thomas is a beast. But they're nowhere near the guys that the Saints have. And for that reason alone, I'm Bucks. going with the Bucks. What? What? Go Bucks. He said the Saints. He was talking about the Saints. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. My bad. But, yeah, <laughs> the Washington football team isn't the Saints. That's basically what I was saying there. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so I'm going with the Bucks. I don't know how close it's going to be. Maybe 10 to 15 point game. But I just don't see the Washington football team offense being able to keep up with a solid defense in Tampa Bay. That takes us to our Sunday games now where we have, oh, this is a fun one. Uh, the Ravens versus uh, the Titans. These matchups last year, over the last year, we saw it last year in the playoffs and this year uh, earlier in the season. They've been fun. Uh, these two offenses are offenses are really similar in the way that they rely on their run game a lot. Uh, obviously, the Ravens have Lamar Jackson, and the Titans have uh, Derrick Henry. But our headline is for this: Can the Ravens slow down King Henry, two thousand yard rusher? No, they can't. No, no. The real matchup here <laughs> is going to be Baltimore offense versus Tennessee defense. All right, Lamar Jackson's on a roll right now. Tennessee has no pass rush. That's the real matchup. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to take Tennessee only because I think Derrick Henry's going to go crazy. Yeah, so I'm actually going to stick to the headline, unlike Skyler over here. Uh, and the headline is, can the Ravens slow down King Henry? And the question to me is, what is slowing down King Henry? Because honestly, it's to slow him down is under 150 yards. That's like pretty much what he's averaging, I feel like. And I think they can't. I, I, I don't see Derrick Henry slowing down from the role he's been on. I think he'll probably get around 170 yards, and if I had to guess, two touchdowns. So. Yeah, I think, I think if you're the Ravens, you just gotta take your lumps with with Derrick Henry. He's gonna run all over you. It's gonna happen. But you have, if that happens, you have to stop every single other thing that that Titans offense. Yeah, is no playing. AJ Brown over the middle. AJ Brown's the difference maker. He yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, Corey Davis is another good player as well. Uh, Johnny Smith. They have a lot of playmakers over there in Tennessee besides King Henry, and you have to completely shut down those other options. If you want to win this game, I think the Ravens' offense is going to go crazy against the, the Titans' defense. They giving up points left and right to the Texans, giving up points left and right to the Packers. If they can't slow down the Ravens' offense, I think the Tennessee Titans are in trouble. And with that being said, I am taking the Ravens to win this game in Tennessee. That's my pick for that. Right. Let's go to the Nickelodeon game. Nickelodeon. They should put this game on Comedy Central. It's uh, it's the Bears and the Saints. (laughs) This game is not only going to be broadcasted on one of the NFL. I don't know which one it is, whether it's Fox, CBS, NBC. uh, But they're also going to do a secondary broadcast on Nickelodeon for the kids. This is really important. You know, it's it's SpongeBob going to be announcing with Patrick. Uh, no, I. (laughs) That would be funny. I'd believe they have. Well, I'm going to watch the game over there. I just want to see what's going on and how they. (laughs) Like how they like that'd be hilarious. I, I wish what they, they do that. and how how big of a difference yeah. it is and I don't know. I no, but like honestly, you know, trying to reach a younger audience is always smart. good. It's smart. Know? It's smart. If Nickelodeon did this, I would have started watch, watching football at six instead of seven. So. You were watching football in the womb, should yeah. <laughs> College football. You were what you were both in the womb. Yeah. But uh our headline for this is about the Bears. 
We saw the Saints defense uh, have five interceptions last week against the, against the Panthers, two of them against Teddy Bridgewater, and three against P.J. Walker. But do the Bears have the ability to score enough to compete against this Saints offense and defense? I think they can. You know, I could definitely see a scenario where David Montgomery goes crazy over 100 yards and Allen Robinson with 10 catches. The only problem is they can't stop Alvin Kamara. You know, I think that's going to be it. <laughs> there you go. That, that's the outlier right there. They, they have a pretty good pass rush, but, man, it, another note, though, the Saints running back room. Was all out last week for COVID. Uh, they should be cleared, but they should be. Yeah, they should be fast. But you know, just in case they're not, I'll say Chicago has a chance. My answer is hell no. The Bears cannot score enough to compete with the New Orleans Saints. It's it's one of the most prolific offenses, and for the all first, time. not not all time, but currently, and this week though they should have all their guys healthy, which they haven't really had all year. Michael Thomas has been out most of the year. Kamara will be back from the COVID list. Latavius Murray, Emmanuel Sanders, Drew Brees. All their pieces are there this week. And with all those pieces being there, I don't think the Bears and Mitchell Trubisky specifically can keep up. The thing that's worked for the Bears on their offense while they've been scoring points as of late is because of David Montgomery. And the thing that the Saints defense does really well is stopping the run. Mm -hmm. They completely destroy the run. Besides that game against Philadelphia where they allowed 100-yard rush, rushing to uh, Hertz and Sanders, they didn't allow 100-yard rusher for like 70 games. And even so that was kind of fluky because Sanders had like that 80-yard yeah, run. Yeah, so it's it's a little lopsided there. Uh, and if you cannot run the ball as the Bears and you have to put the ball in Mitchell Trubisky's hands to go win you the game, that's not going to work. It's that simple. It's not going to work. Even if they have the playmakers, uh, which I think they do in Mooney, and A-Rob, I think both those guys are great players, but Mitchell Trubisky is not going to get the job done for them. Uh, yeah, sorry, Alex. So you got moving on. With that being Your said. Your Charles Leno's jersey's on the way, by the way, bud. I got the Saints by a healthy amount. As do I. In our last game well, of... But Kyle, a healthy amount could be less. Shut up. How about please. an unhealthy amount? Kyle has the Saints by a lot of points, as do I. Yeah. <laughs> Going to our last game of Super Wild Card Weekend. It's on Sunday night between a couple of AFC North teams and the and the Browns and the Steelers. <laughs> you got to be careful. You know, it's 2020. Yeah. Brown, 2021. Browns first time making the playoffs since 2002. Congratulations to them and all the Browns fans out there. Uh, you guys still suck. I'm sorry, but you guys still suck. You guys aren't that good. Uh, do you guys think the Browns have a legitimate shot? Yes, they do. The Browns are going to win. Jesus. All right. When you have two of the best running backs in the league, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, that takes so much pressure off of Baker Mayfield. All right. Pittsburgh has no running game right now. You never know when Ben Roethlisberger is going to flame out and choke the game. We've seen it before. We saw it against Cincinnati not too long ago. That's not a great defense. So I'm taking the Browns. Just... It comes down to the running game. They're going to ground and pound the Steelers back home. These two teams have already met up twice this year. The first matchup was a blowout. Steelers blew them out of the water. There was no Nick Chubb. Yes, I know. But the second matchup, which occurred this week, week 17 of the NFL schedule, 
The Browns did win, but it was not by a large amount, and the Steelers pretty much sat. I mean, the Steelers so, sat a lot of players, and specifically big men. Mason Rudolph was the starting quarterback. TJ Watt. TJ Watt didn't play, who's most likely going to win Defensive Player of the Year, mm-hmm. and was the sack leader despite playing that week. But the, the, the thing about this game, it's a division game. In division games, anything can happen. So, yes, I do think the Browns have a legit shot in this game. But do I think they will win? No, I do not. They don't have a shot. It's that simple. Uh, when these two teams match up in the first time of the year, is the healthiest that both these teams have been in a matchup against each other. Uh, obviously, there was no Nick Chubb. But I don't think a Nick Chubb makes a 31-point difference as they lost the game 38-7. to uh, And Big Ben only threw 22 passes in that game. They ran all over the, the Browns' defense. And I think that's going to happen again. Uh, maybe not directly in the running game, but I think the Steelers' offense will get the job done against the Browns' defense. Uh, defense is not that good over there in Cleveland. And Baker Mayfield against a fully healthy, or not fully healthy, but fully uh, full-strength defense in Pittsburgh, I don't think he has a single shot to go against them. If he get falls back, or falls down 10, 14 points, I think it's just going to spiral from there. So for them, the Browns, they have to get in it early. They have to take the lead early if they want to win this game. I don't see that happen anyways. I think this is my lock of all these games. I got the Steelers in this. (laughs) Three very different takes on that game. Yeah, that's true. Let's go to college where we got a big game on Monday. Ohio State and Alabama. For the college football playoff championship, we're all excited for it. So much talent in the on those two teams on both sides of the ball for both of them. What's your guys' predictions for this one? I think this one's going to be a little closer than everyone thinks. Justin Fields going to be on fire. All right, he's going to have his Joe Burrow moment. Got knocked out last week. He's coming back. He's going to have a great game. Trey Sermon. It's been pretty much unstoppable this year, but. The problem is they move Sean Wade to outside corner due to, you know, everyone getting drafted from the Ohio State secondary. And Devontae Smith's going to have a field day. So I'm taking Bama by a field goal. I think this game's going to be a shootout. I agree with you that Justin Fields will play well. However, no one's stopping that Alabama office and, uh, offense in their big three. Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith. I think Alabama puts up 40-plus points, so I'm going to go Alabama 45, Ohio State 34. You guys know what the over-under is for this game? It's 7.5, right? 75. Oh, oh, over-under, my bad. Over-under is 75. So that's practically saying the team, both the teams are going to score around 40 points. Yeah. That I mean, hopefully we're in store for a good game. I'm not sure how good of a game it's going to be. I think Alabama wins the game. Uh, I think they're going to have a little uh, one-last-ride kind of thing with that team. All right. uh, I still think Mac Jones is coming back next year, though. That's my bold take. Still, uh, no Devonta Smith next year. Best wide receiver in SEC history. Heisman winner. So happy to say that for him. Uh, and Jalen Waddle might be coming back that for this is, game. That's true. Uh, oh, really? Ten yeah. weeks removed from Ooh, surgery. I did not know they that. They did say that he started practicing – I don't know how much he's going to be used. They got some playmakers over there in Alabama. Even if they I don't, don't even use think them, they need him. Mechie's just as good. Uh, obviously not on Devonta Smith's level, but anytime you got him, Najee, 
You got, you got a lot of people over there. Ryan Robinson. Yeah, another guy that could get drafted in the late rounds. Watch out for him. He might be a sleeper. But I got Bam in this game by 12. All right. And that concludes our football takes. We're going to talk about a little bit of basketball before ending up the show with some early season overreactions. Our first one is the Toronto Raptors off to a slow start. I think they only have one or two wins right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, are these Toronto Raptors not a playoff team? I think they're going to be all right. Um, obviously, the Eastern Conference is a little weird. Looking a little weird so yeah. far. But uh, that's going to completely flip around. You know how the Eastern Conference goes. I don't think they're done. You know, we've seen Siakam off to a slow start. Freddie off to a slow start. But I think they'll make a little comeback around midseason. Get back in the playoff hunt. Yeah, I think this is an overreaction early season. The Raptors are an experienced team. They've been down the playoff run before. Most of the guys on that roster have won a championship two, years, two three years ago with Kawhi Leonard there. I think it's a bit too early to ride them off or write them off. I think they find a way to make the playoffs. I don't think they're that talented of a roster, or at least not as talented as they used to be. I don't think Siakam has quite lived up to the hype a lot of people thought he would after those finals, but I still think this is the playoff team, so... Overreaction. Uh, I do think this is a playoff team as well. Uh, so I'm saying an overreaction. I think they'll get in at a five or six seed. I think being down like this in your record early is obviously not a good thing, especially with the shorter season. These games mean more. Uh, they got to turn around quick if they do want to make the playoffs. Obviously, because if you're getting to three and ten, four and ten, whatever it may be, it's not a good spot, and you gotta you gotta turn around quickly and. I mean, if you get to the 500 point in the Eastern Conference, you're going to get in. Yeah. That's, cool. I, that's their biggest advantage is being in the Eastern Conference. They're exactly. going to be battling with the Wizards, Magic teams that in the West wouldn't even have a shot. Yeah. So, one of the surprise teams, kind of, is the New York Knicks. They've been playing some all right basketball over there for the first time in what seems like forever. And this is due to the play of what looks like a star. Julius Randle, he's been going off. He's been averaging 20 a game. Uh, I believe over 10 rebounds. And he's actually been having quite a few assists as well. Is Julius Randle, former top pick from the Lakers, uh, played for the, the Pelicans as well. Is he a top power forward in the league? I would say he's a top scoring forward in the league. But I'm not ready to go that far there's a lot of great power forwards in the nba but uh i do think he's in a great situation in new york where he could pretty much do whatever he wants so we'll see we'll keep an eye on him in the league I there's so many good power forwards as we're watching a commercial on kevin durant as he was just on the screen but I, I put him borderline top 10 maybe i i can't think of all the power forwards off the top of my head like even just in the Eastern Conference, you have Sabonis, you have honestly the two-time reigning MVP Giannis, Kevin Durant, who arguably is a small forward but really plays like a power forward. There's Anthony Davis. There's so many good power forwards in the league right now that are all talented. One year kind of wondered thing right now with Randall. It's hard for me to put him at the top. So for now, I'll put him as a fringe top 10. But I have liked what I've seen. He's been scoring the rock. So, he, he has potential to get there. Julius Randle is a guy who I think has a very good shot to be an all-star this year. 
I don't think they're doing an all-star game, but I assume they're going to make teams and stuff, just as the NFL is doing for the Pro Bowl. So I think he is the guy that does make the all-star team this year. Uh, and I think that could sprout him into uh, kind of a resurgence in his career. Really wasn't living up to the hype in his uh, early season. Well, not early season, early uh, years in the league. But in New York, I, Skyler said this is a great situation for him. Uh, no other stars there, so he really has a shot to just go for it. Like, this is your team. Get the job done. Uh, he's got some young players over there with uh, Kevin Knox. RJ o- Barrett. Obi Toppin, RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett's been playing he's well. He's been playing well. pretty well. Manual quickly. Uh, they <laughs> they got a lot of guys over there that are young. Remember and that name, Brett. Have, have a bit of potential. But Randall is the leader over there, and I am going to say he's one of the top power forwards in the league. All right. So, let's go to the Western Conference now, where we have the Phoenix Suns, another one of the surprise teams in the NBA. They're off to a hot start after the acquisition of CP3, mm. one of the league's top point guards in the past 10 to 15 years. Are the Suns a legitimately Western Conference title contender? No, they're not legit contenders. The problem with the Suns right now is that they have a really unexperienced roster they do have some guys that you know aren't 19 years old but lacking playoff experience along with chris paul still a great player but he's 35 if they had la clippers version of chris paul sure but now they're they're stuck in a weird retooling right now i like the moves that the suns made i think chris paul was a necessary piece to help propel them but I don't think it proposed them enough. There's The problem is with the Suns is they're in the Western Conference. Yeah. If they were in the East, I think they're maybe a top four Eastern Conference team, yeah. depending on how things play out. But the West, they're borderline playoff team, in my opinion. They've been playing well so far. I think they will make the playoffs. Devin Booker's an absolute stud. I love that guy. Uh Chris Paul's aging a little bit, still playing good basketball. He fits really well with DeAndre Eden in that pick and roll. But I don't think they have enough firepower outside of those three guys to make a push in the playoffs. Uh, no, this team isn't a legitimate contender. I feel like it's that simple. Uh, obviously, adding CP3 is big for this team, not only just in getting wins, but it's also for experience for other guys. Uh, a, a leader... And an experienced leader. Obviously, you have Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton over there. But having a guy who's been... Well, I mean, Chris Paul really hasn't been too far in the playoffs that many times. But uh, a guy who's been around the league for a long time and has been around other players that have won championships and have that pedigree with them uh, helps a lot. Uh, I think they're going to be battling for a playoff spot. I don't think it's as safe as it looks right now. Uh, They're going to come back down to life a little bit. Uh, perhaps go on a little bit of losing streak here soon, and uh, I think they have a shot to be that eight seven seed in uh, the Western Conference. But I also can see them falling down to the ten or ten eleven spot. Let's go to our last overreaction, or possible overreaction, where we have the Nets and their chemistry issues. We saw Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving going off in the first couple games this year. Uh, but uh, since cooled down, we, we know Kevin Durant's going to be missing a week. But we also saw some frustration uh, in the game uh, against the Hawks a few days ago. Torian Prince grabbed a rebound, 
failed to get it up right away. They took a timeout. Uh, but when Torian Prince passed the ball to Kevin Durant after they took the timeout, he smacked the ball away from him. Did not look too happy. Torian Prince was uh, uh, on on camera walking back to the, the huddle saying that he's like, I can't do this. Like, he's pissed off. Uh, obviously, we've seen some some chemistry issues perhaps uh, take Kevin Durant out of Golden State before with uh, Draymond Green. We all know it's it's pretty much good now between all of them. But uh, it's, it's a similar situation what's going on in Brooklyn. And we'll derail them because they are one of the most talented teams mm-hmm. in the National Basketball Association. Yeah, um, this is the reason why they brought in player coaches. You know, Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire, who they're not going to punish them. They're going to let it work it out them let them work it out themselves on the court. So I think they'll fix it on their own, which in the end could probably be better for the organization. So I, I think they'll be all right. And obviously, sorry, one more point. When you yeah. have big egos, they're going to clash eventually. Exactly. The, the problem for me isn't Kevin Durant. I think the whole Draymond situation in Golden State was a bit overblown. I don't think that was the reason Kevin Durant ended up leaving. I, th- I think Kevin Durant wanted to be the guy again somewhere. I think Steph has always been the guy in Golden State. And it, that that's nothing against Kevin Durant. We're Warrior fans, and I still love the guy, and I wish him exactly. all the best. But. Yeah. If there is a chemistry issue with the Brooklyn Nets, it's going to be Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Kyrie, he, he's had a history of this. When he left Cleveland, there was bad blood. Him and, I mean, he's taken shots at LeBron in recent, like, even weeks. Um, in Boston, uh, we Dylan, our friend, Boston fan. Boston fans hate Kyrie. Yeah. So what, what he did in Boston with that locker room, it turned it into a toxic environment on what was otherwise a very talented Celtics team. Yeah. So I think if there is an issue, it's going to start at that point guard position with Kyrie Irving. He and Kevin Durant are good friends, but they both do have big egos. I don't know necessarily if they will clash, but I mean Kyrie's been on record in recent weeks saying like I finally have one teammate who's like going to help me. He he refuses to mention other teammates, hmm. and I, I he's literally said like I have one teammate pretty much, and I think that type of attitude and Kyrie's history that's going to prove a bigger problem than what Kevin Durant will. Yeah, it's nice to have stars, but what wins you championships is other players on the court. And heart. Yeah. Yeah. Heart <laughs> right. is what's going to Strength and numbers. Uh, you got to be deep. We've, we've seen this with the Warrior teams. Their bench was, was really good at specific jobs, and they got the job done, obviously, three times out of uh, five years. Five years. Uh, I think this is going to be a big problem for them. Uh, we've, uh, Brett's always said, obviously said that Kyrie has had some issues with uh, other teammates and stuff, and I think this this can happen again. I think if uh, Kevin Durant goes off and gets a spotlight for a little bit in Brooklyn, I think Kyrie's not going to be too happy, and he's going to say, well, uh, I kind of want the spotlight, and yeah. so he might do something outlandish, might call him out, say something, I don't know, a little something passive-aggressive. But I can definitely see this being a big problem for this Nets team with... I mean, if this team works together and uses strength in numbers, this this team, they're, I feel like, is a, a front-runner yeah, for the NBA. Talent-wise, they're amazing. It, it's that chemistry that's going to be their issue, I think. And yeah. I think I think they did make the right hire, as Skylar said, yeah. with player coaches. But yeah. I, I just don't like Kyrie. And it's a good thing they didn't get James Harden in trades because yeah. if those three personalities clash, it just wouldn't work. Yeah, I... I Maybe it will work because it seems like Harden just doesn't care. 
You know, he just... He doesn't look like he's scared. He looks like an old lady right now. That man is massive. I'm fat shaming. I don't care. He's huge. He's just... He's a bucket, though. You're canceled. Right, cancel me. He's gonna get the stuff. 21. But uh, I do say that this is not an overreaction with the Nets. I think this is gonna be a serious issue for them, and uh, something that we'll see along along the line. So let's do our layups. Let's do our bowl predictions. And instead of doing our best games, we're gonna do our Super Bowl predictions. Yes. First off, with the layups from last week, Skyler had Tulsa. Minus two and a half. I had Tulsa. Oh, Brett had Tulsa. Yeah, I know. Uh, Skyler, no Tulsa. I know. It's surprising. I know, I know. Brett had Tulsa minus two and a half. Brett, how'd that go? Uh, it did not go good. Mississippi State ended up winning that game. And it, actually, something we didn't get into this week was the fight after that game. Yeah. I, I yeah. totally forgot, I forgot about, about that. that. But big ball after Mississippi State won about it. I believe three points. It was a close game. But number four for Mississippi State, kicking dudes on the ground. It was, it was ugly. Yeah, Sam Collins didn't play. Yeah, he did not. I did not know that going in. I had Pittsburgh plus 10 at the time when I actually took it. It says plus 7 on our spreadsheet, yeah. but it was plus 10 when I took it last week against Cleveland. Ended up being a two-point game, so that covered quite well. Oh, yeah. Skyler had Clemson minus 7 half versus Ohio State. Nah, it didn't cover, but I'm glad. Didn't work. I'm glad it didn't work out. Skyler wants Fields, so he wants Lawrence to suck. Not even that. I, I wanted to see Justin Fields have a comeback game. Uh, he, he had he had oh, your yeah. comeback game. He, oh, he was yeah. amazing. Yeah, let's go. To, let's go to this week where I have a very similar pick. It's the same two teams, and it's the same team that I'm taking. It's Pittsburgh minus four and a half versus Cleveland. They got all their guys back. Pittsburgh's blowing them out. Yeah, I'm gonna go Seattle minus four versus the Rams. I think this is a very generous line especially given Jared Goff's injury and the fact that he might not even play. And if he is ruled out, I'm sure this line will change. But at the time I am taking it, Seattle minus four will cover versus the Rams. Mm-hmm. And mine, I touched on it a couple minutes ago. I got Ohio State plus seven and a half over Bama in the championship game. I do think Devontae Smith will go off, take advantage of that Sean Wade opportunity. But I don't think it'll be a blowout. I got Ohio State covering. Let's go to our bold predictions. My bad, a little cough right there. But uh, our last week bold predictions included Brett having Cincinnati beating UGA. UGA? Yeah, University of Georgia. That did not happen, unfortunately. Uh, I had the Rams missing the playoffs. I thought Kyler Murray would actually play a little bit more than uh, a quarter and a half. So that did not happen. And Skyler had Jets win the third game in a row and fire Gase. Half of it is right. It's marked in yellow on our spreadsheet because they did fire Gase, but they did not win the game against the New England Patriots mm-hmm. to end the season. Uh, this week, I'm going with the Bills. Not just winning the game, but winning it by 20. It's nothing against the Colts. It's just the Bills are that good. I think the Bills are the best they've been in a long, long, long time. Uh, going back to their four straight Super Bowl appearances, I think uh, I don't think they'll make the Super Bowl this year. But that Bills team is is something special, and their offense is hidden on all cylinders right now. So for me, I'm gonna go with the Titans beating the Ravens. I believe the Ravens are currently four point favorites. I think this is probably going to be the best game of Super Wild Card Weekend. Both these teams have similar play styles, match up pretty well against each other. The Ravens are rolling right now. King Henry, the Titans are rolling right now. Titans will beat the Ravens. 
And I'm going with the Cleveland Browns over the Pittsburgh Steelers. I told you why earlier. My opinion hasn't changed. We're going to run them back home. All right. Let's get to our Super Bowl predictions instead of going up best game. Because, I mean, only games that we really got this week are the Natty. And then we got playoff mm-hmm. games as well. And I feel like it's a little too basic with just picking those games. Uh my Super Bowl prediction is Kansas City over Green Bay, 45-31. I think Kansas City is going to just destroy pretty much anyone this this postseason. I feel bad for anybody that goes against them. Uh, I think yeah. the Bills are the best shot. Yeah, I yeah. think it's it's almost a lock for me that Kansas City is going to mm-hmm. win it all. Yeah, I think we all have Kansas City. We all have them against different teams, which yeah. is interesting. So I'm going to go Kansas City over New Orleans. 38-31. to 31. I think New Orleans will win in that not-as-good NFC. They'll probably beat the Packers, if I had to guess. Healthy Saints, I don't see a better team in the NFC. However, I don't see a better team in the NFL than the Chiefs, so the Chiefs win it all. Yeah, I got Kansas City over Tampa Bay, 34-26. to 26. The reason I went with Tampa Bay is because the NFC is pretty unclear, but you can't go wrong with Tom Brady. He's done it many times before. Proved us all wrong. And that pass rush from Tampa Bay, it helps a lot. It does. That's going to conclude it for episode 17. Oh, it's yeah. been a fun episode. Went over a whole bunch of things. Looking forward to Super Wild Card Weekend, and I hope you guys are too. Super Wild Card Weekend. On Nickelodeon. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Nickelodeon for that Bears uh, Saints game. Look out for that. Uh Natty Championship, uh, oh, yeah. we got basketball. Hopefully, the hot stove in baseball heats up a little bit. And hockey starts soon. It is freezing. Uh, yeah. Next week, we might talk a little hockey. Oh, that. yeah, a little stick and puck with the boys, eh? We'll see where oh, it yeah. goes. Uh, probably not too much. But, uh, look for that in episode 18. But make sure, next Tuesday night, episode 18, listen to us break down all the divisional round matchups. Super yeah. divisional round. Maybe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it should be the same. It should just be four games, right? Super wild card, super, it's, 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 yeah. I don't know, it's football, it's the playoffs, it's always fun. Oh, yeah. It'll be super fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next time. Go Jets. <laughs>